five, four, three, three, two, two one. one. Every time it's a mess. <laughs> Every time it's an absolute mess. It's Just not counting back close. From, counting back from five. Ladies and gentlemen, counting back from five on the Mosby Learning Podcast is possibly one of the most difficult things we do in the 45-plus minute session that we bring you. This this chat that is supposed to en encapsulate all things learning and all the different pieces that it touches. My name is Dan Hurt. I'm calling in. I'm, I'm dialed in. I am logged in from Mississauga, Ontario. And this is Adam Kostick, so I'm calling in from Dallas, Texas. Cynthia Gibbs from Dallas, Texas. And we all, we all, three of us, seem to have things going on tonight that are just trying to make this thing not happen. But to hell with every single one of those things. Uh, right now, right now, just to share a little bit of peek into my uh, world, as it were. I am more or less living out of boxes. We just moved on the weekend, and it is an absolute miracle that I'm wearing socks today, uh, let alone socks that match. And uh, I was scrambling to find the flattest shirt I had to attend the uh, Cornerstone Converge conference in Toronto today. It's like, ah, okay, I have to look like a grown-up. What do I have left? This is, I am down to, like, the, the shirt that I have left on a hanger that was stuffed on the top of the box as we got here. So that, uh, we haven't got a kitchen yet. That, that's another little footnote in our day-to-day -day life. It's like we're camping inside of our house, but we're getting there. We are getting there, ladies and gentlemen. How you guys doing? Adam, how you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. So was, was this conference just an all-day event, or was it just a cornerstone LMS trying to sell you all day? No, I, I think you misunderstood. Today we're going to talk about the trials and tribulations in my life. It's got <laughs> oh, nothing okay, to do okay, with okay. And your shirts and, and what you have yeah. to pick out. Yeah, but you're yeah, great, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. great, Dan. So how could it be be trials and tribulations? Did I say great? <laughs> I said you're great. I may have right? said. I'm great. Well, yeah, it's by default. I'm great. Yes. Uh, so Cornerstone Converge. Yeah. So it was, um, they were, they were kind of pitching some new ideas, but they were bringing any of the, uh, their clients that use them as an LMS. They were bringing them together in their Toronto kind of, it's their local big market conference. So just to give you guys a little peek north of the border, because I know it's very difficult for our American listeners to, you know, just kind of grasp the fact that things happen outside of the four sides uh, and all the squiggly sides around Alaska and stuff. But um, that, that things happen outside of the United States. But yeah, in, uh, so Toronto is uh, it's, it's Canada's biggest city. I think we have the, the GTA, as we call it here, the greater Toronto area just kind of keeps getting bigger and bigger with all the different suburbs. But I mean, it's like it's like our New York. So this was their big shindig. And oh boy, if I had to guess, maybe there were 300 people there, maybe something like oh, that. I mean, it, it wasn't, it, it was, it was respectable, you know, it was at a really nice place downtown Toronto. Um, and it was a, it was a full day of speakers and a couple little workshop type things and some really, really cool people. I got to sit next to some cool people, chat with them. So it, it was a really, really good experience. And I'm hoping to share a couple pieces of that with Look you Look at today. you being friendly. Hey, man, when I put on my professional pants, I can bring all sorts of wonderful things to the world. <laughs> put on the uniform. That's right. That's right. There you go. Well, nice. Well, it sounds like it sounds like a pretty good event. So was there was there multiple vendors or was it just Cornerstone or? Uh, it was Cornerstone with the, I suppose, the support of some other kind of like sub 
uh, I don't know what it was like, second tier suppliers or or supporting uh, clients within there. And actually, that was one of the, the headline talkers. His name is, I was going to say was, but it still is, uh, Joe Burton. That's his name. And he is actually the founder and CEO of Will, spelt W-H-I-L. And uh, there was one of his books <clears throat> that I, we were given. Everybody was given a copy of the book called Creating Mindful Leaders. And there was a lot of good sessions today. It started off with a really kind of strange, uh, the end is nigh sort of fear mongering around technology advancing. But then Ooh. this this cat comes. Yeah, I'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but this cat comes in this Joe Burton and he is just the most Zen son of a gun I have ever met. And he kind of talked a lot about his journey from being super stressed COO for global organization to Mm, okay, my entire world can potentially fall apart if I continue down this path and enough of it has fallen apart that I need to just pull back entirely and just just downshift so that I can, I don't know, live as a human in the world that we're in. So it was a really interesting way that it would started, like I say, with kind of the banging of the pans and the fear mongering. And then it just like everything's very Zen and chill and cool. And I, uh, I, I don't want to say that I grew as a human being today, but if if I had to guess, I'm more of a human being today than I was this morning. So all right, Gibbs, by the books. We need to start reading these. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gibbs, this will be one. <laughs> you know, what? I'm, I'm really hoping to. Uh, I, I was genuinely inspired to get into this book because there was a couple of things that kind of really struck a nerve with um, uh, struck a nerve with me on it's it's all about mindfulness and just pulling back from technology and I'm already trying to pull back from technology I'm uh, I have a flip phone in my possession and I'm just waiting to I don't know be again inspired to slide the sim card into that one and out of my smartphone but uh, we'll we'll see yeah I mean I'm just like it's it's you've just been, yeah but you've been doing that for a couple of years though I mean you I mean I remember when I out. met you you yeah. had you had given up. Uh, you'd given up Facebook, right? Yes. Yeah, I think have, you yeah. pulled out of that. You're like, I'm done. Uh, yeah. What do you mean you're done? I'll tell you one of yeah. the most liberating things I ever did was um, a few years ago. You know, we were, you know, trying to save money, etc. And so I actually um, went back to the, not a flip phone, but to where I had no internet access or anything mm -hmm. on my phone and all I could do Ooh. was text and make phone calls and it was the most liberating and freeing thing I have ever done. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was we amazing. We did that with cable. We did that with cable five years ago, I want to say. We just cut the cord mm -hmm. and uh, actually up until about a year ago, we didn't even have Netflix. We just did Prime Video and then we did, you know, over the air channels and that was it. And a lot of people looked at us like, did you see this show? And I'm like, Never heard of it. Um, <laughs> like, like the other day, like the other day when I was talking about Red Wedding, and you're like, "What?" Yeah, no idea. I don't know what you're talking about. Well, I don't, you I don't have HBO. Game of Thrones. You gotta I've Game never of seen Thrones. it. I've never seen it. Good lord. Yeah, I never seen it. So yeah, we're way behind on that. So Dan, go back though. I, I want to talk before we talk about this mindfulness guy because I'm, I'm actually looking him up online. Um, who? So what were they saying about technology taking over and it's going to be the doomsday? What were they getting at? Were they getting at like, people leaving, losing their jobs? I mean, why was it a doomsday scenario? 
Uh, and you know what? Maybe let's let's pull back just one step further and, and level set for anybody that has not heard of Cornerstone. They are, uh-huh. as far as I know, they're an LMS, a learning management system provider, so that a company subscribes to their services, and that's where all of the e-learning courses are housed. And maybe not just e-learning, but also your uh, your instructor-led trainings, your ILTs. Those can be. Um, scheduled and attended and attendance tracked through their platform. So that's what they do. And then maybe we'll touch on a couple of the other things that they offer. And that's where kind of that Joe Burton uh, fella comes into play. One of the one of their offerings uh, is all around these mindfulness courses that are applicable to everyone. But uh, so, yeah. OK, so now let's jump forward one step to what you were asking about. So Jeff Miller and he is. Oh, hang on. I've got the agenda here. Jeff Miller, AVP Learning and Organizational Effectiveness at Cornerstone. So that's what he does, I guess. And the 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 gist was the keynote was a human's place in the future of work. A great guy, engaging speaker. But you know, I did. I wanted to shake my fist at the clouds for a couple minutes as he was talking through stuff because I am trying to actively restrict and and really hinder technology's um, uh, encroachment on on my mental space. And one of the 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 headline stats that he provided, and this was courtesy of Oxford University, a, a study that they drummed up. Uh, within 25 years, 47% of jobs, well, I wrote 47% of jobs gone. I think that means that they're going to be automated. So the, the current, <laughs> currently employed folks, um, and, and, you know, they kind of did the, if I drew a line down the room like this, but the problem is the people in that room are, are probably a little bit more. It's the repetitive tasks. That's what he said. The repetitive tasks, and everybody, of course, thinks truck drivers, um, which which they are very much on the verge of having successful, you know, automated vehicles coming into play. And and cashiers. Well, we saw cashiers starting to go out the door five, ten years ago. You know, with the the self checkout sort of pieces come in. So now they have one person babysitting, you know, six or seven or eight cash registers as you uh, hopefully, honestly check yourself out. So that that's the sort of stuff that he was talking about and there was even um well and so the underlying theme to all of this was change and do you have the skills that you need to successfully be employed 10 years from now and you know how do you manage the change how do organizations manage the change through that um one of the so he was also talking about um the use of (laughs) Oh Christ! Uh, of of augmented reality and virtual reality, and I just I don't know. Uh, so and, and at the table that I was at, one of the fellows who I we may or may not continue sure. to talk about him because he has a there was a, an interesting role that he played in my day today. Um, and well, <laughs> so, I, I <laughs> it turns out I have a history with this gentleman at the table. Um, yeah, <laughs> so we may or may not get into it, but every everything went well. Well, I'll just leave it at that for now. Gotcha. Yeah. So, so, so he was taking the the approach. All right, before we get into this history of this uh, uh, gentleman that you met at the conference, mm-hmm. this guy was talking about that everyone's going to lose their jobs. It's going to be gone due to technology, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, literally everybody loses their job, 
And no, uh, but but he said forty seven percent, forty seven percent, fifty percent of the workforce. And, and, but you yeah, know, I, I years, argue yeah. with that. I, I was listening to a podcast the other day on this specific topic, and and you go back years, right? You say, okay, well, technology. You know, in nineteen eighty, to book a flight, you had to go back and you had to get on the phone, talk to somebody, figure out how to do it with a travel agent, and now nobody does that. You can do it right on your phone. Yeah. You know, you look at banks you used to have tellers. Now everyone does an ATM. They hell, I don't even know the last time I was in a bank. And you say, okay, well, those jobs are gone, right? We're over, you know, we're sending them overseas yeah. or they just don't exist anymore. And you say, okay, well, these jobs are going away. They've been going away for years. But when you really go back and look at it, unemployment's at an all-time low, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, we don't have masses of 50% of people, masses of unemployment. And I, I will argue that there are new jobs that are created. So I think to your point, what you were hitting on earlier is it's the reskilling and upskilling. Your mm-hmm. jobs and tasks that are easily replaceable of, you know, a guy on the line at Ford, you know, moving from one place to another, just you know, doing adding a light bulb into a car, that job's going to go away, right? Like they're going to make a robot that does it. But the guy who programs the robot, that's not going away. Yeah. So I think well, us as so- learning professionals, we need to figure out how to reskill, upskill, and kind of repurpose our workers. And that, that was definitely part of it. Uh, he did actually address that directly, and he showed this great little graph that had two lines, and they crossed at one point. And the, the gist was it was uh, humans' uh, adaptability or ability to adapt over time, and there's a gradual sort of increase to this. And then there's technology's ability to change over time and it kind of does this sort of hockey stick sort of like it ramps right up and it crosses and so the the punchline wasn't about 2007 is when technology's ability to advance surpassed humans ability to basically keep pace with it so now we have a situation where technology advances way faster than we're able to keep up with so so it's 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 historically yes and this this is his story this isn't my story but well i suppose it's a bad people's story no, yeah no. but the the idea is that in the past <laughs> humans have been able to keep up with these sort of changes and there's been gradual uh gradual adoption of other skills learning new skills and and finding whole new a whole new career avenues i guess but um but now we're getting into a place where it's going to be too dicey and and uh and again it was kind of like the end is nigh he's ringing a bell and he's wearing a sandwich board that says everything's over uh, so 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 what are we gonna do is he wearing a monk's robe yeah i mean like so so what's his solution yeah, shaggy that? guy he looked like he's no he was he was very well dressed um <laughs> i don't i don't know what the solution was i mean the solution was uh, just to be in better control of your change management processes and to not only do that because that was the gist you know and that that was he he started off with that god i don't want to say fear-mongering because i don't know if that was his intent um but this rather scary message, let me put it that way. So we started off with this very scary message, and the gist was to upskill your people with presumably, you know, courses that are offered through Cornerstone. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know that there was a cut and dried solution. So, you know, it was I just, guess. It was about effectively implementing change. I guess that begs the question, can training fix it? Ah, yes! Can training fix it? Wow, what a segue there, Gibbs. Can training fix AI? (laughs) 
Well, so hang on. So get, AI taking over the world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, you see, you see these jobs that, uh, or the the stupid reports, and there's kind of a, a um, geez, I don't want to, I don't want to touch the uh, toe political lines here, but there was uh, a lot of suggestion when it comes to automated jobs that there there was a couple suggestions initially that you know people well, you can just learn to code, like you said, Adam. That's the people that make the code that you know work the robot they're not going to be out of a job and so there were some rather flippant people in silicon valley that just suggested well you can learn to code and you know you're probably not going to have a lot of 65 year old truck drivers that are going to just take up a new hobby of coding they're not going to learn python or c plus plus they're not going to do that so you've got these jobs where people are yeah but 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 if you're a truck driver right now okay so if you're a truck driver right now you know your job's going away right tesla is making electronic well, you know, cars well, and they're going to they make them no and, and, and it's going and, away like eventually. i tell the truck tell the truck eventually. drivers it's going away it's going to be not gone telling you fucking tell them <laughs> i'm not telling them i'm telling them you know forget the commercials at like noon on, on a friday you know we ought to be a truck driver long haul paid benefits yeah that's going away right going it's going to be automated away. within probably in the next 10 years right it's going away i'm telling them Okay, go on. All, all the truck drivers here. So it's gone. What's your point? Yeah, so, they, so they need to start preparing. Like, it's gone in 10 years, so they need well, to start preparing now. Okay. So training can fix it. They need to start figuring out no, how training to... No, training can tra- fix it. <laughs> training can fix it. All right, Gibbs, what's yes. what's your... Because this was kind of your, your... You wanted to... You, you you threw your name in the hat for I've got a suggestion here. And, and I want to... What's, what's your take on this? <laughs> what I put... Oh yeah, tra- tra- old dogs learn thinking, new tricks. I was thinking of something, trying to think of something crazy because you came up with face tattoos. So I was like, yeah. well, what could be a fun one? And uh, so I was like thinking of you know that phrase you can't teach an old dog new tricks. And so I'm like, hmm, can you? Were you actually talking about dogs? No, you know the saying. Do, I know the saying. Do you have that saying in Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we we say seals. Can you can you train an old seal new tricks? That's that's what we say up here. So you know it's interesting though. I was reading an article, and this can go in the show notes on here. Um, I was reading it by Simona Scarpaleggia. She works for IKEA in Sweden. You just making she's, names up again? I know. I am just making names up. But no, she she wrote an article today. It was on training industry, and she was talking specifically about this, the fourth industrial re- revolution, right, in workforce. And to your point about can you train an train an old dog new tricks? The number one thing she says that has to that we have to do as learning and development people is believe in our people, right? Uh They're resilient, they're creative, and and they have an ability to learn. And so we need to start believing in our people as learning and development to kind of reskill and upskill the people. And she had a quote in this article I thought was great: "Is we need to invest in people in order to maximize the benefits of our investments in technology, right? All this technology doesn't work if we don't invest in our people." So. I'm going back, Gibbs. Training can help. Yeah, it might disruption. be able to help. Yeah, I think a lot of it though has to do with mindset, right, of that person mm-hmm. and the initiative of the person. Because I don't think you're ever too old to learn, but I think as we get older and through life experiences, we get our paradigms really set. You know, and so a big part of it is 
being able to be willing to change your paradigm in well, order to learn paradigm, new things. And so, I mean, that, that's, I think we have to acknowledge that's a significant ask. And, and I guess this really all comes down to change management where it's interesting because this is, this is tying in and I don't want to jump ahead, but this is definitely tying into some of the stuff that Joe talked about where, you know, how much change did you have, how have you gone through recently mm-hmm. and how much stress is that? And, uh, what's the, what's the mindset that you have? And well, if you, if you're always thinking negative thoughts, you're basically just getting really good at thinking negative thoughts or, or if you're thinking about one thing, one way you get very good about thinking one thing, one way, and then it gets even harder to get out of that so you take somebody that is maybe let's make them a 45 or a 50 year old truck driver maybe maybe they're even new to north america they're not even you know new to that but it's or they've they've got maybe a limited skill set they're doing what at least they can do or what they're able to do or where the jobs were and now it's like oh okay well there's no more of those jobs so now you can learn to code or you're you get to be a dog walker maybe are Mm -hmm. like are those the two options I I genuinely don't believe that it's going to be as easy as being like, yeah, we can fix this. We can train people to code. And and I just I don't I don't believe it. No, I don't think it's going to be easy. But I I also think that if people don't change their mindset that they have to continuously learn and continuously adapt, they're going to get left behind. It's kind of like like when you look at our profession, right? The people and and I'm just going to piss off everybody today. Uh. The people that are just instructional designers or just facilitators, I truly believe in the next couple of years, they're going to be in trouble from the skills that businesses are looking for for them to have so in learning development if you're just one if you're one person and you can't leverage both skills or other skills you're you're just going to get left behind so two things two things i think are funny about that because um what i worked at hsbc households and what from 2000 to 2009 and every And, and the thing back then was you learned how to do both. There was no such thing as you were a senior instructional designer. There was no such thing that you were just a trainer. We had to learn how to do both and be good at it. Now, there was no e-learning. There was no, you know, PowerPoint <laughs> had just come out, um, you know, so... So wow, things like God, that. What year was this? Um, but the at 70s. the same time, and then like after that, it's kind of funny because then it became very separate, and then it was like you either were an instructional designer or you were a trainer. Not a lot of people had both skill sets, and even today, in today's uh, div, uh, L&D departments, you're either a lot of places you're either an instructional designer or you are a trainer. And it's funny how you're saying that, Adam, how now it's going back to how it was in in the early 2000s in order to survive. It, it really is. And you know, one of the things that, that I was looking at uh, today was I was looking at that e-learning guild conference that- uh, You know, Dan and you I sure sh- have a lot of time to plug, look at right? things. <laughs> I'm like working my ass yeah. off all day. Oh, yeah. uh, Editing emails for you, getting yelled at because I'm taking too long. Drafting emails for you now? Yeah. Good Lord. Lord. All other duties uh, as assigned. There you go. But no, you know, what's interesting though is is you know, I know Dan, you and I have talked about this before though, is the skill set of marketing. There's a bunch of 
mm-hmm. a bunch of meetings that are going to be marketing, um, a bunch of sessions on marketing. There's also a couple on change management and then obviously digital technologies. And those are skills that in learning and development, everyone's going to have to have too. I yeah. think, okay, so I think there's an order of magnitude that we're not catching on to right now. And we're not saying, uh, you know, folks in L&D, well, I, I guess on some level we are saying, well, folks in L&D, you guys are going to need to sharpen up all your other schools or tools when it comes to, uh, you know, communications or marketing or maybe just stand-up facilitation or does, dev, dev, like e-learning development. What I'm saying is imagine if we said tomorrow or we said that, okay, in three years, L&D is gone and you, if you want a job, you have to be an underwater welder. Like it's, it's such a significant change of environment. Um, like maybe, maybe there's required a trial. Like there's so many different things that are at play here that, and this is make God, maybe this doom and gloom shit really got into my head because it, uh, and I, you're already like, curmudgeon-y. What? Oh, <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> this is why I need to read this book by Joe Burton, creating mindful leaders so I can chill the F out. Um, <laughs> you're going to start buying all the food and everything. You're going to start being a prepper. Hey, now, yeah, oh, there's already, nothing I wrong with that. To, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Prepping's, see, it's being prepared. That sounds uh-huh. like a good thing, doesn't it? Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyhow, so, okay, so that the, the doom and gloom was just part of it. And I, I really don't want to, gosh, if he ever hears this, it's like, oh, this jackass got me completely wrong. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Miller, he was a great guy. Uh, he seemed like I was really hoping he, he I think he had a lot of going on that day because he uh, kind of boogied out of the room after his session. But um, it was it was a really, really good talk. And he was very personable and had great stories and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there was a lot more hopeful stuff that happened uh, during the day as well. <laughs> so, OK, um, so can we digress for oh. a second about being in L&D and having we exclusively digress having <laughs> to uh, stay up with the skill sets. Um, okay. So a couple of thoughts on there is, oh, I think one of the great things that we had at HSBC was they developed us. And it was development as in the fact that we had great managers who knew how to coach and develop. Um, and that was a huge focus of theirs. But also the company budgeted monies so that we could go to various professional development classes to up our skill sets, etc. Um, and today I don't see that a lot. And so it's really relied on that person to take the initiative to do it. Um, Adam, is this awkward at all? You being on the on the line with us right wow. now? Yeah, no, I knew, no, we need to put some money into that, Gibbs. I, I I heard you loud and clear. Well, and I'm not saying like <laughs> to you, but no, uh, no, no, but no, you no. know what I mean. Um, yeah. So like, yeah, no, and and sometimes you know, for me, since I've been um, where I'm at, it's like I because of the places you have put me, I've learned a ton and I've grown a ton because they were challenging things to me, like, you know, learning sales. Um, the projects we're working on right now <laughs> with the third floor and, and all those things. So I've been put into situations where I'm learning and because I want to learn. So I'm taking initiative to find out more information and research stuff. Um, but, you know, a lot of times now it's like, oh, if we hire you from the floor to be a trainer, and I'm not just saying my, I'm not saying specifically our company, I'm saying throughout L&D, mm-hmm. unless you, well, it's not, the corporate world. yeah, you're not going to necessarily always be sent 
like I was. I was sent to classes how to be a trainer. I was sent to classes how to be a facilitator, how to present. And that I don't see that happening a lot in corporate world. Um, it takes a lot of initiative to, for you to why be a learner. You, why do you think that is, Gibbs? Um, a couple things. Um, I think I was fortunate enough being at household that they believed in training. So they put money into it. Um, and I, I can't honestly say even back then a lot of companies invested in that. And I think, you know, when you look at, you know, the fall, right, a financial back mm. in the odds, um, you know, one of the first things to go is marketing, HR and training. Right. And, oh, we don't need leadership training. We don't need this. Um, and I think it kind of went back to we just need someone from the floor to do some training. Uh, and now it's back to the point where we're, you know, a lot of companies are building true training teams again. Hmm. I don't know. So I think, I, I, yeah, I think it goes on cycles, but I also think that um, digital and, and technology has, has changed the way that the expectation is to learn, right? So, you know, when you're talking 2002, 2009, that was before the internet, right? Mm-hmm. So the internet really didn't exist. We didn't have Google. We didn't have YouTube. YouTube's, you know, really a five-year-old, maybe eight-year-old type of uh, invention. And so companies had to send you out to learn any type of skills. Now you have it at your fingertips. And so I would say the reason partly for that is there's really no tangible ROI to say, okay, if you want to go and learn how to code, all right, we'll go back to the coders and the truck drivers. You can go to Khan Academy right now and learn classes for absolutely free. You can go learn Python. Mm-hmm. You can learn Agile. You can learn all those things. So what is my ROI for to do that at a company? Now, I will say there is companies that are I, I know are investing tremendous amounts of money into their their employees like i think amazon said they're going to reskill a hundred thousand workers but it's they have to change their entire company um so i think it's one of those things i think there's a combination of there there's it's a hard roi to say and now you can get a lot of that information and i will say that companies do invest but i don't still think the medium of sending everybody off to conferences like they did in the past happens as much. Uh-uh. Well, it doesn't have to be conferences, you know, and, right. and I, I, even just a single like I remember my first role in the corporate world where I was entirely unprepared and un, uh, unskilled. Um, I was sent to one set. Well, I, I actually, I wasn't sent there. Another guy was supposed to go, but he had a conflict and couldn't make it that day. So they didn't need to waste the money. So I got to go, but, um, so it, you were second a, best. Oh no, I wasn't even close to second best. <laughs> <laughs> they eliminated my position. If that helps clarify anything, <laughs> I was right sized. Um, but the, like I was sent to an afternoon session. I think it was just about general productivity or organization or some business like that. Right. It doesn't have to be a full day uh, conference or a multi-day conference yeah. that happens in, you know, uh, Oklahoma Skill building workshop. Yeah. It can be mm-hmm. a local skill building workshop that you go to, or you bring somebody in. Like I'm sure there's enough people in an organization to say, can we get 10 people that need to get better Excel skills or that need to have facilitation skills? Uh, can we get someone to come in to do a session for them? So there, I mean, there's your ROI. So I, I don't think that it's that, um, 
organizations don't want to spend four grand to somebody send somebody there. I, I just feel like everybody's moving at the speed of business that the, the humanity is ultimately what suffers and, and what gets sacrificed, you know? Sure. Um, I, I haven't met a manager yet. That's not overwhelmed. Let me put it yeah, that you, way. You know, in, in, I don't know. In, mine I'll seems to be reading up oh, on that things. Guy's careful. Gibbs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's constantly um, just checking blogs. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I can go with that, uh, Dan, you know, cause it's probably not about the money, right? The money is one, one aspect. It's uh, everybody's busy, right? Because, you know, you could, you know, as a learning professional, how we could set up a brown bag lunch and just have somebody talk on the topic that when it takes, but nobody has the time for that one hour lunch and everyone's I did that a couple times while I was there. Yeah, there you go. So, I mean, it doesn't even have to be, um, expensive to your point. I think it's just, everyone's so busy focused on their job, just trying to get by that they're not prioritizing it. So I think ultimately, I think we're all saying the same thing, but it's, it's the prioritization is not there for learning versus the money and the, the cost. That is a really good segue to one of the people that I enjoyed uh, hearing today, and she was one of the first talkers as it wasn't really a panel per se, but it was six um, sequential um, clients that came up and kind of shared their success stories. There's one gal, MJ McDonald, and uh, I don't have all of her stats where she's from. Maybe I do here. Hang on. Uh, AVP Learning and Development at Ivari. I-V-A-R-I, and they're uh, an insurance. I haven't had time to look at them because I've been, this was this morning and I've been doing things this evening, but um, she had a really, really interesting initiative and I'd love to, I actually talked to her for a couple minutes after the uh, conference or after the session and um, I kind of exchanged information with her, so I'm looking forward to talking with her in the future, but what she did is they they have employee-hosted um uh, skill like workshops so uh-huh. impl- but but they're not necessarily work related so there's maybe drumming or photography i have the list in front of me that they had what do they have uh advanced google search okay i i didn't i just didn't i didn't know that was there until i read it right now um but uh sing and learn uh, drumming to so, helping so like, people li- with life balance literally anything just just actually like you, you want to learn a thing here's somebody that knows this thing well and they mm-hmm. want to share it would you be interested in going to hear them talk? Uh, so they had some sessions that were really, really successful. They've been doing this for a couple of years now, it sounds like, uh, and just every, everybody loves it. So they have, now it's an insurance company, so they're probably well-funded, but they have, they have made it a priority to carve out time for things like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's, I, I it's, it's, it's there. Idea. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. there. It's just, it's not easy to make time. It's just like anything, though. It's not easy to make time to do stuff. Right. Like, we got to jump through hoops to make this thing happen tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We do. All of us did. <laughs> yes. That's yeah. it. No, I agree. I think it's, it's one of the things you got to make time. You got to make time to learn. You got to make time to, to, to go out there and do it. I, you know, as learning professionals, we, we owe people a better job to doing it and kind of setting it up and facilitating it, not creating it. We don't need to be the content creators. I think we need to help facilitate people to get it. That's right. right yeah. so, so, and I, I, I think I know we we fail at it some a lot in in our company, but we could do better at that. Like that's really where we should be better at doing is facilitating learning from others. And it's not. Uh, I don't think it happens all all over the place. 
There's, you know, there's one thing I want to circle back to, and I wrote this down. It was about motivation, and this came from uh, Jeff, uh, back to Jeff Miller there. when Because um, it wasn't all doom and gloom with Jeff. I mean, like I say, he's a good guy. I feel like I gave him a bad shake here. But he, he had mentioned uh, some clever person came up with this sort of equation that it's uh, behavior is ultimately an outcome of a person and with com- in combination with the environment. And what are the things that we can do as learning professionals to optimize the environment to uh, get the most behavior to get the best behavior out of the humans? So, you know, and a lot of like a lot of what we talk about or we've talked about in the past um is accessibility of material to eliminate uh, any unnecessary or excessive clicks or passwords or all sorts of stuff. What's what's the shortest path that you can get the the learner to the learning? What's that shortest distance between those two points, you know? And and not just that. I mean, that's just the learning side of it, but then there's the other side which is the actual work environment where things happen. Is it a good place to be? Is there are people in a good uh, good place emotionally and all those sort of things? Um, but he he certainly did uh, did give me a lot to uh, think on there. That's good. And then your second session though was this mindfulness, right? So I wasn't I, after the, after that. Yeah, he well he was after lunch. Uh, there were I probably heard eight different people talking about wow. stuff before him. Uh, and there was a host for the day whose name escapes me, and I don't see it here. Now I feel bad about that too. <laughs> Take better notes. So what? So what were some of the other sessions about? Well, there was a couple others. Uh, there was a gal from uh, from Sun Life who was talking about change management, and uh, and now she there was a couple things that I, I liked, a couple things that I kind of raised an eyebrow and said, "Hmm, really?" But um, she. Uh, uh, so Sun Life, I guess, has recently kind of done away with the traditional mission statement or corporate vision, those sort of things. They scrapped those and they've replaced it with a purpose. And that did kind of line up with some of the things that I heard from other folks. Like, really, it's 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 the why it's there's got to be a meaning to give people motivation. And there was another person that was he had a specific sp- uh, talk that was about procrastination. And he was another uh, cornerstone mm. um, ex- executive type and it was all about procrastination and ultimately said if you're procrastinating it's because you don't have a big enough why Uh, to do the thing you need to do yeah and he he had a very kind of it was it was a little more of an emotional there was uh family trauma involved in that one and just Mm -hmm. kind of general health issues but uh it was it was a really really nice talk that that he had but back to the the gal from sun life there so she i I really like the idea of what is it all about you know, why are we doing this? And, and what they had decided, Sun Life, and, uh, is they had decided that they their purpose was to provide, I don't know if it was provide an exceptional service to their clients or whatever it is, but the, the, the whole purpose was client-centric. And they mm-hmm. were just going to give the best solutions they could to the client as the client needed them, um, which which is a really good approach. I mean, for any organization, and there was a lot of what I had heard from uh, that echoed in the book that I read by Seth Godin. This is marketing. And I we've maybe we've talked about that a little bit. I can't remember. There were a couple episodes. There's probably, I think, two or three episodes that Adam, you and I recorded that just yes. they, they whew, they're gone. <laughs> 
we, we <laughs> did not there. post them. They did not survive the cut. They're gone. But um, but a lot of what he said, uh, Seth Godin, and if you guys don't know him, please check him out. He's a, he's a sharp cat and he's a marketing Phenomenal. guy, but he, he really gets human behavior. His whole thing was, if you want to have a successful company, like find people, find out what their problem is, what their problems are. And if you can put them into a group, like find a group of people that have the same problems and just dig into their world and solve every single problem you can for them. And I think in a future episode, I really want to talk. Uh, I, I, the three of us are all on the same page with uh, our value prop. Mm-hmm. We all really enjoy this value prop kind of activity and, and uh, thing that we do. But so <laughs> what, what, one of the things that um, made me raise my eyebrow by her, she was she was talking about change management, and she uh, she's a Chinese woman. She says she travels back to uh, China sometimes to visit family, and everybody in China is using like technology that's way crazy advanced, and even older folks are using it. And she goes there and uses a credit card, and she feels like a dummy because there's all this credit card. And she says. She, she made this comment. It's like, well, and no, well, nobody did change management over there, but somehow they all got it. Um, and I was like, oh, well, you know, they also had the one child policy that a lot of people seem to buy into. So uh-huh. I, I don't know. I guess maybe in <laughs> communist countries, it's a little bit easier to, to make folks do what you want them to do. I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it was interesting. Yeah, it's that's a what I thought. So, I'm like, well, so, just, yeah, they can yeah. they can do any damn thing they want over there, and then I and then it's like the whole ch- uh, social score that they have going on over there that sure. freaks me the hell out, and that's one of the reasons that I'm like, tech's great, but keep me the hell away from a lot of it. Well, it's, like I always say, four billion agents can't be wrong. <laughs> about what? <laughs> uh, for the record, Gibbs, mainly Gibbs it was is a, part Asian, so yeah, mainly it used to be off. about rice. But <laughs> <laughs> that used to use that uh, quote. Definitely. Hey, so, Dan, so Dan, I have a question for racist. you. Go ahead. <laughs> I have a question for you. So when yeah. she was talking about the okay, get, the one child policy. The, yeah, the one child policy. Let's yeah. really dive in. Let's digress into that for a little bit. Um, now, when she was talking about changing mission, vision statement, you know, yeah. you and I have talked about over the years. Actually, talked about mission and vision statements and the lack of having one. But then she said, you know, dump those. And they went to kind of a purpose. Did she get into any type of demographics of her organization? Because no, no. Ooh, I, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. She might have. Oh boy. It, I mean, it was a rather casual talk. It was just a Q and A with the host, okay. um, or with the MC. So I, I couldn't tell you if she did or didn't. I'm curious on that, and, and I know you said you're going to touch space with her because that that feels to me, and I, you know you're going to get mad at this, but that feels like a very modern, younger type of thought process, right? Like I, yeah. I want to work for a company that has it a purpose, been. right? Yeah. I want to go to Tom's Shoes because they give shoes to kids in Africa. I want to, you know, go to that sock company because every pair of socks that I go and they give a sock or eyeglasses, right? Uh, it, it's all great. I'm just curious of. When they shifted, was there detractors from that getting rid of their mission and vision? Um, yeah, who were those detractors? Yeah, yeah, she didn't get into that. Um, I'd be really curious on that. So, I was one of the detractors, I guess. So that brings up yeah. another question. Um, so I get, you know, with the purpose and wanting to work for a company that has a purpose, mm-hmm. how much, how much research do you think they go through? to make sure that company is really 
doing what they say their purpose is? Hmm. <laughs> it's a good question. Well, because I, I look at all of these, you know, in recent years, you look at all of these nonprofit organizations, you know, et cetera, and what they've started doing is reporting how much of that money or things you donate really go to who they're saying it's going to, along with the CEO of this nonprofit organization making $3 million a year kind of right. thing. Yeah. Susan G. Corman. Well, I'm, Who's that now? I'm not saying Susan G. I'm not saying organizations, but <laughs> yes, one that that's made, one I, of them. We called out truck drivers and Asians, and now we yeah. as well do Susan G. Corbin too. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, and so I sit there and I think, you know, oh, I want to work for this company because of this, but how many of them really do that research to really realize, you know, how much of what but, you're doing is truly that purpose? I think it. I, let's use an example of our past, though. You know, when when we worked at HSBC, it was. I don't remember their exact mission or purpose, but I know that their corporate social responsibility mm-hmm. was ingrained into everything we did. The amount of philanthropic activities that were company sponsored, the matching that we gave. Yeah, the United two to one matching. I think it was United Way. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it was United Way. I think it was two to one for every dollar you put in, they would put two in. Mm-hmm. Everybody was getting, you know, hours off to go. I mean, I rebuilt uh, houses down in uh, New Orleans after uh-huh. Katrina, and we were. It, it was just expected. It was part. It was woven through the culture. Well, I don't know the exact purpose. I do know that corporate social responsibility was in everything that we yes. did, and we talked about it all the time. Absolutely. And so, like when we went every year, we used to have a huge learning and development uh, symposium. Um, but it had part of that symposium when all L and D got together. It was you had to do at least a four-hour philanthropic event yes. in the community or the area that you were having the symposium, and then based on how many people we served. Uh, like it was like so much money we could donate after so many volunteers and so many hours uh, we would give. Um, Mm -hmm. And so we made sure that, you know, whatever we were doing, it was a certain amount of hours. It was a minimum amount of people uh, that we had. So we could donate like $500, $10,000, whatever it was to make sure that it was worthy. But it was policy it was i want to say it was policy but it was built into our culture that every kind of thing you did with that even when my team did a team building event it was philanthropic in some way absolutely um kind of thing so yeah and so yeah you're right i think household hsbc really lived up to that um you know kind of thing yep agreed you guys should see if they're hiring I just, <laughs> it was uh, the good old days. It's all rose-colored glasses, yeah, don't, right? Don't tempt yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Glory days. Good. Yeah. So, Dan, I, I want to ask you, Dan, as, mm-hmm. as the millennial on the line, oh, does God. purpose matter We're both millennials, you? jerk. I, well, yes, I. but um, <laughs> I'm on the edge, right? Like, I'm right there at 1979 midway through. Yeah. So, uh, mm-hmm. does purpose matter for you? I mean, is that something that you look for? I mean, yeah, obviously, you need a job, it, you need company, you need money, you need all those things. But is that something that is important to you? Yeah, uh, absolutely it is. And and I've often thought about, because we've, we've 
because with all the talks that we've done, all the, all the talks, the two talks um, that we've done on micro learning. <laughs> so you and I, we've talked a lot about between the two of us, micro learning, and we've been looking at other people's content about it and that sort of stuff too. And it's like, well, okay, is this, is this just because people today like videos or is it that we just now have technology that allows for this solution to be there for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if it's just a mindset of, yeah, oh, kids today, they need to know the why. Or is it just like, oh, well, no, now we actually, things have kind of evolved a little bit in society and why does actually seem to come up a little bit more. Um, I, I really think that it's it's imperative to have uh, um, a unifying for shared values and that's like man that is i listen to a lot of stuff that has made me come back to values and like on a philosophical level that it's just we need to have shared values to be successful not only as an organization or as a small team but as a goddamn country if we don't have a shared set of values then all we are going to do is argue all the time. And we certainly can't uh, accomplish much when we're arguing. You know, I heard I heard a great example of and this kind of had to do with racism, but it was it had to do with the military. It's like, well, yeah. pe- people in the military that no, they're not racist because they all all their guns are pointing in the same direction. They all share the same values. They're all trying to accomplish the same thing. And lo and behold, it gets accomplished. And all the petty bullshit just goes to the side when you have a North Star to focus on. Um, and I, I think it's incredibly important. I actually have my uh, my corporate ones um, pinned to the uh, just uh, above my monitor. They're uh, taped to the wall above my monitor. And um, and that that's not to be a keener or, or to I think that's a Canadian word that's not to be like a, a brown mm-hmm. noser brown noser does that does that translate yes brown, brown mm-hmm. noser translates what's yeah, a keener as if to have your nose in somebody's butt I, I think don't is, know if is, that's uh, politically uh, correct anymore well <laughs> brown facer because my better. nose is brown so hey <laughs> um, but but you know it's it's not to not to try to be like oh look at me but I've actually tried to use those things because I'm developing learning material I want to try to incorporate that shit into the material and i try to throw in for the relevant audience because we've got it kind of broken out by uh, by audience by um ones for employees ones mm-hmm. for investors one for ones for clients that sort of stuff um uh, residents because we're a um we're a property management firm so i try to incorporate the appropriate ones in learning material when it makes sense, you know, and I really think that it is important. And I think that a why is helpful and it's, it's probably most helpful when you hear it come from the mouth of the right people and consistently from the mouths of the right people. You know, if, if you've got a why in front of you, that's very helpful. It's nice to know that leadership shares it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, absolutely. We've come a long way from uh, wall street and Gordon Gecko, right? In the eighties. Yeah, we have. You know, greed is good. Yeah, we have. His so, kid's in a bad way now, eh? I think so, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't know what's going on. Celebrities, man. Can training fix them? Can training <laughs> fix celebrities? That's a good one. Isn't that, uh, going back, though, isn't that, like, the whole premise of Star Trek? What's that? Like, that people working for the same thing. Isn't that, like, one of the underlying premises? Like, that whole reason Star Trek, like, they went out and uh, some Trekkie's gonna get mad at me. But I think... 
the whole thing about how they were able to conquer the stars was that humankind started working together for common causes. They're just boldly going where no man's gone before. I don't know if they're conquering anything. Well, they work together type thing. They certainly do. What is their organization called? Starfleet? Starfleet, right? You know, I don't know. Isn't that Star Trek? I think that's what the UN is based on. Yeah. I should have probably not used the Star Trek reference. I've seen like one episode. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Well, you don't have Netflix, so. Why why is the organization called Starfleet, but the show's called Star Trek? What's going on here? Because they're on a they're Mm -hmm. on a trek across the stars, and it's a fleet of people. You have done it again, Gibbs. A fleet of people. people. Fleet is a group of people. Uh, all right, so uh, any any Star Wars people out there, if you're upset about this, um, email us, <laughs> mosbylearning at gmail.com. Let us know how you feel. What do you think they call it on Battlestar Galactica? Battlestar? I don't know. You know, I've wanted to watch that um, that reboot. I've heard the reboot is actually a great show. Is it? So have yeah. I. Yeah, I've heard it's really good. Yeah. I heard the original one is garbage, but the reboot is actually hey now. really, really strong. It is it garbage? Uh, they have a weird dog on it. I, but I grew I heard up it with was that garbage. one. Garbage. I'm just saying what I heard. I'm just, just calm down. I'm just saying what I heard. <laughs> um, you know, one of the other things that so there's probably like 17 other things that I want to talk about, but there's a phrase that I heard today for the first time that uh, might perk some ears up here, and the phrase was nano learning. I've heard Ooh. that before. You have? What's Tell me about it. I don't know anything about it, but I've heard it. Oh, you know what it. it is? It wasn't learning and no learning. There used to be this this toy when my kid was younger called Nanobugs. <laughs> they're still there. Huh? <laughs> they're still out there. Yeah, yeah see? Still... So maybe it's okay. learning about bugs. It's learning about bugs. So so are you are you talking about like inline learning or workflow learning and or or my favorite putting learning on tiktok it's well okay now you've actually hit the nail on the head there so this is going to be some this is something that cornerstone's developing nanoseconds you know i don't know that it's actually so there was a slide hang on i don't think i took a picture of that slide i gotta check this because so is that what they're talking about doing things like on tiktok okay so the program is a tutorial program designed to permit a participant to learn a given subject in a 10 minute time frame through the use of electronic media and without interaction with a real-time instructor nano learning is not a substitute for comprehensive programs addressing complex issues uh yeah i guess yeah okay let's go with that so so is this basically just another term that a bunch of learning people are sitting around talking oh it's nano learning it sounds a little bit made up to me as far as like a a future okay so they're gonna say it's no less made up than micro learning (laughs) um so i don't know if people in glass houses there's lots of stuff on google about it okay so let let me me give you the rundown Okay. So the the rundown was it is uh, their their approach, and I don't know if if he was trying to coin the phrase. And this is uh, when I say he, I'm referring to uh, a certain particular he, which would have been Doug Stanhope. No, Doug Seegers. 
Uh, hang on, let me make sure I get this right because I don't want to get it wrong. Yeah, I used to know <laughs> Doug Stanhope. Yeah, what happened to him? Uh, Doug Seeger's director of original content at Cornerstone. So this is this is one of the things that Cornerstone is developing, and actually, by the time we release this podcast, it probably will have launched that their uh, their clients would be able to subscribe to. And the idea is that it's. It's in the same in the way that micro learning addresses a single thing and and just focuses on that. I would say it it does that, but it it steeps itself in Gen Z, um, not memes. I don't want to say memes, but um, temperament. So it's everything is going to be mobile first, not mobile only, but it's going to mm-hmm. be mobile first. So you've got that kind of uh, vertical video sort of piece and they're going to use. And this this is one of those things that drives me up the GD wall. The um, we, we did talk a couple of times today about how humans have an eight second attention span now, which is complete oh, bullshit. Um, I, I say it's complete bullshit because if somebody shows me like uh, an episode of Little House on the Prairie, you're goddamn right. I'm not watching it for more than six <laughs> seconds because I don't care about it. It's Come not on. it's not attention. It's interest. And um, in, in the same way that the uh, pe- people have just been uh, kids today have just kind of been trained and groomed to just have the next thing quickly flash onto their screen. They're really trying to tap into that to allow learners to learn that way. Um, and, and they're focusing specifically on, and it, maybe it works for everybody else too, but they're focusing specifically on Gen Z and they did actually say Gen Z. So in Canada, the letter Z is usually pronounced Z for some reason. I don't know why. No, that's like um, a Greek or Latin or one of those older languages, Z. Is it? Well, that's the one we use up here. Yeah. So, so basically, they're they're basically just saying like, okay, take learning, make it even shorter. So they're they're, they're doing. It's, I don't know exactly. that it is. Sh- oh, oh, so hang on. Okay, so the eight okay. second thing. Let me let me let me qualify yeah. this. What they were saying is that they use that initial maybe eight to fifteen second window to really grab the attention of people, and they showed oh, kind of a, a demo of it where it was like a a selfie video of some. You know, uh, snarky Gen Z person sipping on a Starbucks drink and and making snide remarks about something. And then it's like, you know, you hear the the, the record scratch and it's like, but really? Uh, And then they go into the actual kind of, yes, you do need to evolve as a human being and not just stick to your old, um, uh, your your, your young ways, I guess. Yeah, so, well, like it's. It, I, I think that's a lot of just no shit, right? Like if you start one of these videos and go, "Hi, our objectives of today are going to be at the end of this session, you will be learning about." Yeah, like, you'd be reading that eight second yeah, attention span pretty quick. You're done, but that that just goes to marketing, and I don't think that has anything to do with Gen Z. I think that just has to do with the way people want to consume content, right? There's more content than ever. And I don't think it's because they're younger. I think it's just, there's a lot out there that people want to get through things, right? Like Netflix is doing this thing. I don't know if you heard about this. Netflix is doing a thing right now. They're testing it to be able to speed up the videos. Um, you can do it with podcasts. Jesus and if anybody Christ. does that with our podcast, I'm going to be very upset, but you can actually speed no, it up to like 1.1, 1. 1. 1. 1.2. What's that? You should do it with our podcast. Yeah, yeah, speed it up a little bit. But 
but hey, you could get through more episodes. But at the end of the day, they they you can speed it up to like one point two five, right? There's a big Twitter feud right now with uh, Judd Apatow. Judd Apatow, he's mad at Netflix. He's like, leave it alone, blah blah blah. But I think it's just people want to consume more content. That has nothing to do with Gen Z, right? I mean, you did gifs as a part of a learning before. Yeah, the, you're right. There were a couple of gifs. Well, because it, it just, some things are so simple to solve. That's all it needs. And, but they're really trying to tap into, um, I think that, I mean, I still think that this falls under the umbrella of micro learning, but the whole mm-hmm. nano thing is, I just think they're trying to appeal to that, uh, a Gen Z audience. And I freaking hate generational speak, but that's what they're trying to do. Any idiot that just wants to flip on Instagram or TikTok all day long, this is going to be the perfect thing for them. So that's, but that's who I they're going to I also I think, out, though, I don't know. I, I think it, it's just part of the culture we created. If, I didn't know, create it. Don't put this shit well, on me. Well, you know, not society <laughs> has created. You know, with the technology and everything digital and everything moving so fast, we support it. Not that we shouldn't have supported it all, but we've created a culture where everyone wants everything to go faster. Um, I don't think it's a generational thing. I think it's just the culture we have created with technology's help. Um, I think, you know, a lot of us can take the time to take the time learning. I mean, look at people who love to read. I don't want to read faster. I'm going to read at the same, you know, I can read pretty fast, but, you know, I'll read. (laughs) I'll read it before I'll read. And that takes time. I think it's just, you know, where you, where's your mindset at and where, you know, I mean, I think about my kid. My kid's never grown up really with commercials. And when we have do, we do watch. That's wild, yeah. Yeah. And so when we do watch something, like we were watching It's a Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown, the other day. And he was like, we have this on our, we have this video already. Why are you watching it on TV with commercials? And for me, it's like the tradition thing. That's what you do, right? You watch it on TV with the commercials because that's what I know. But he... You know, the commercials are just like a waste of time for him. But that's the culture I created for him because of all the ways, other ways we watch TV. Well, um, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's where we're going to leave you. And this is actually a perfect segue for a cliffhanger because, and that's exactly what Joe Burton was talking about. And I'm going to dig into this creating mindful leaders. It was really about how to step back from that culture to try to unplug to put your phone down and I'm hoping to bring some ideas as to how uh, we can all do that a little bit more uh, next week when we come to you if you're looking for the show notes for this episode it's going to be mosbylearning.c no no hang on we have show notes Mosby, well, just the ones that come with the podcast, because we did not have them for today's episode for us to work from. Uh, Mosby.ca slash 008 music, as always, from Incompetech. Uh, Kevin McLeod, I love the things he does. They're always enjoyable. Reach out to us on LinkedIn, Cynthia Gibbs with two Bs. Um, Adam Kostick, C-O-S-T-A-K-E-S. And uh, I'm spelt the German way, H-I-R-T, Dan Hurt. So find us there and find us again next week. Thank you very much, folks. And and one more thing. If you want to check out our 
new nope. workshop at ATD nope. 2022, <laughs> how to jumpstart your nano learning segment oh. for Gen Z. <laughs> Dan and I are going to be doing a presentation. It's going to be ATD. It's going to be it's, great, wherever that's by, at. Well, we'll probably need to do Gen AA by then. And yeah. then I'll, I'll crash. Gen Z is going to be I'll crash. You can crash, kids. You know, and then we can all do TikTok videos. It's going to be it's going to be a great session. Dan, it's the future, so I'm going to submit it to ATD. We're going to talk right. about it. So. Join us next week for the future, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. I mean, I'm discovering all this too, as I say it. <laughs>